Let's let's just pray some more. Father, I thank you that um, you have such good plans for us. And we give you our faith that you have such good plans for us. And we ask you that you would grant us great revelation this morning. As you have, as you've made us your people that that um, live in this physical, but you've given us the privilege of seeing into the spiritual, of living in the spiritual, that we ask for your revelation so that we can do that. Would you give us that, that miracle in greater measure this morning? That's what we seek. We want to have your understanding. We want your revelation. We love you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to try to be very, very disciplined this morning because I, <laughs> uh, I know that you've all seen how hard that is for me. But I have so much to say, and um, and I want to I want to be respectful of time and everything. And so, I'm I'm going to uh, stay on it here. Um, we're in a series. We're right in the the middle or something, in a series on anointing. And I told you back at the beginning um, beginning. First message in January, I told you this would be a year of anointing, right? Do you all remember that? And um, I was kind of naive like we tend to be. I was thinking that meant, man, I was waiting for the outpouring like like that morning, like just like just bring it on, Lord, right? Of course, anoint, since then we've taught about the cup of anointing, <laughs> right? The cup that we accept that goes along with it. This, What we're going to do this morning is kind of in that camp. But I, I will tell you, so in other words, there's hard stuff. If we're moving into a greater measure of anointing, and I believe we are, and I don't just mean us at Little Chapel, I believe um, his church, is, that's what he's doing. He's preparing us. We're going to need more anointing, and so he's about to pour it out, and he's preparing his bride for what's coming. That, that is what we're doing. You can take it to the bank. I know that it is. But um, here's the naive part. What does that mean? That means there's a lot of hard stuff in order to become the vessel that can hold a greater weight of his glory, can carry that kind of anointing. There's hard stuff, right? Anybody experiencing hard stuff right now? Challenges, things you're worried about, you're praying for, I heard it in the worship this morning, things you're praying for, things you're burdened, you're praying for people and you're burdened, right? There is stuff going on. And I want to tell you, nothing escapes the Lord. Every drop of it is part of this preparation. There's no accidents going on right now. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Now, just very quickly, I have to do something because we start in. Uh, before we start in, because, um, see, I'm trying to go so fast, I tried to do three sentences at the same time. <laughs> because there's this great error we make in our thinking about um, the Lord's kingdom and how it works, okay? So let's do this. We all know, what are we saved by? Alone. Grace, okay? And, and by faith alone, right? Um, there's, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Or be more dedicated to you. Do you know there's nothing you can do to make him like you less? <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So, and yet, that leaves us with a dilemma that we have to understand, okay? The grace of Christ, the salvation, the redemption, the transformed life is a free gift and there's nothing you can do about it. The only thing that happens there is that is that the Lord called your name, you heard his voice and you answered. You didn't find him, he found you and it's absolutely free and there's nothing you can do about it. And there's no mistakes you can make that can take you out of his hand. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Period. So, Amen. So, what do we do with the fact that Paul, the Apostle Paul, I think God has a thing for Paul's. Don't you think, Paul? I, I just, I mean, your names are nice too. <laughs> and Paula's. Yeah, little people. It means little. <laughs> what was I talking? Why did I do that? There, um, so the Apostle Paul wrote a whole bunch of letters, pretty much every letter, I think. I might be mistaken. But by the end of it, he gets to the point where he gets into a list of do's and don'ts. 
is what's going on there. And I'm going to tell you what's going on. It's always a therefore, okay? In other words, nothing changes the freedom of the love of Christ. It's free, it's free, it's free. He's crazy about you, he's crazy about you, he's crazy about you. So then why do, do all these letters end like that? Now I want to tell you what's going on here. Your salvation, your redemption, the fact that you're his is unshakable. Moving into the realm of anointing so that you are a vessel purified to carry a weight of glory is the therefore. It doesn't change how he feels about you. It positions you and it purifies you to carry a weight of glory. That's why just as much in the New Testament as the Old Testament, we have that theme that, um, that blessed are those who, who adhere to the, to the law of the Lord, right? Who adhere to the, law, to the word of the law. It's not, it has nothing to do with his love for you. He just straight up loves you. It has everything to do with becoming the vessel individually and the vessel of the church that can hold the weight of glory. That's hard stuff. That's, that's not free. The Holy Spirit's described as a fire. Um, I think there's a medical thing. I've never been burned horribly bad. Um, but I think there's a medical thing where fire is actually the most painful infliction that you can have. Is that true? Does anybody know? Is that true? I think I heard that before. Fire hurts, okay? And I want to tell you something. The anointed people of God, that's you. Raise your hand. The anointed people of God are people who play with fire. I know your, your mom taught you not to play with fire. Um, she didn't know that you were going to do it for the Lord and his kingdom. But we are people that play with fire. Fire is something that requires um, reverence and respect. Amen. I mean, it's not, I mean, we play with it. We, we wield, we, we pass through, and we're going to see that. We pass through the fire. We are people of fire, but that doesn't mean it's, it's um, the Holy Spirit is, is just, um, is not dangerous. And sometimes pain, <laughs> I like that giggle, and sometimes painful. It hurts to be burned. Okay? So, um, I just had to start there. You open up. This is the warm up, um, and I'm really going to stick to it today. Do you believe me? <laughs> um, go to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm just going to start reading in verse 25. Um, yeah, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to start there. Okay, it says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. So I start reading here, it's kind, it's kind of a, um, it's already an admonition or a warning almost. Don't refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Speaking of Jesus, right? He spoke on earth. Now where does he speak from? From heaven, from the throne. He sits on the throne of power and he's still speaking, whose voice then shook the earth. Now you have to understand, you know what that's a reference to? Sinai, okay, the first Pentecost. In other words, outpouring of fire. You have to kind of study to get this nuance, but that is a reference to God's fire pouring out on the chosen. That's what happened at Sinai. That was the first Pentecost. You can go through all the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. He never quits pouring out fire because it's a person. Fire is the Holy Spirit. And fire, the Holy Spirit, as um, God performs necessary things on his chosen people by the fire of the Holy Spirit. You know, he's also wind, oil, um, new wine okay and in other words god is so uncontainable he has to use these multiple metaphors so we can see into the spirit and become a spiritual people it's how can you get a handle on god well fire is one of the ways that god chooses to reveal himself to us okay so sinai what's it say whose voice then shook the earth but now he's promised saying listen now yet once more i shake not only the earth but also heaven now here's the part. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. Yes. 
<laughs> Should I read that again? Did you all catch that? In other words, what's the Lord up to? He's removing the things that can be shaken in his chosen people. Why? It gets better if we just keep reading. Um, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Do you want to be a person of God that cannot be shaken? And then all the things of you as a representative of that kingdom are not things that can be shaken? Yes, and here's the good part. I keep thinking I'm at the good part, and I'm not there yet. Verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, say this with me, I am receiving a kingdom, receiving a kingdom. which cannot be shaken. Amen, you just told the truth. Let us have grace. See, there's one of those. Let us have grace. Why is there a command there? I thought the love of God is totally free. It's because he's making us vessels that can hold the unshakable, the anointing, the, pres the effective presence of God on the people that say, that's the power of God. That's not something you can do. People are to look at you and, and just instantly know that that has to be the power of God. That's not something you, you have of yourself, right? How else will they know that we are your people unless your presence goes with us, right? Now, here it is. Here, all of you who play with fire, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Bear in mind, I'm reading in the New Testament right now. Oh, he's still? That sounds like an Old Testament concept. <laughs> Doesn't it? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was a consuming fire, then he's still a consuming fire. In other words, what? He is still consuming things. The fire of God still consumes things. Now, I think you can think about this church, yourself, people you know. And I'm going to tell you something. One thing that's happening right now in this year of anointing that is preparing this bride is a fire is sweeping through. I know you're seeing it if you stop and think. He is consuming things. He is burning things. And this morning, this is a message of understanding. If we're going to see in the Spirit, we have to understand some of these things of God and, and what are his ways. How does this fire work? Okay? Otherwise, we whine or we, or we grumble or we, um, or we get discouraged. And we can't keep walking. We can't keep following him because the road just gets too discouraging when the fire of God begins to sweep. Amen. Now, I've got to tell you a concept. Um, we're going to get to a main passage here in just a minute. Um, I just want to tell you, um, and we're not going to read these scriptures. You, I'm sure that many of you have read them. You're going to have to trust me. But in the Levitical law, there was... Um, actually, let me do this. It was specific to plunder. In other words, or um, what do you call it? The spoils? What's, what's it? The spoils? Okay. It's specific to warfare. In other words, when there was a victory, the Lord would tell them, sometimes he would say, you can't have the spoils. Other times he would say, you can have, you, you can have them. The, you know the only way they could know when they could or when they couldn't? They had to ask him. That is exactly the right answer. There was no other indication for them other than the Lord saying, you can have them or you can't have them. <laughs> but now here's the thing. When they could have them, there was, there was laws and instructions for how they took in these gifts of the victory. Do you know the Lord wants you to have gifts of victory? Even in these hard times, especially in these hard times. He, he wants you to be blessed by the gifts of victory. That there were these laws, it had to pass through the fire. It, listen now, it would literally say that the vessels that they took in as the spoils, if it was something that could pass through the fire, like metals, they were to pass it through the fire. If it was something that, and the water, and if it was something that couldn't pass through the fire, then what? Then they had to pass it through the cleansing water. Then they could partake, after a seven-day process of this, they could partake of the spoils of the victory. Did you follow it? Now, why did they pass it through the fire? 
to purify it, right? In other words, it made it so that it was no longer contaminated with the poison, the toxin, or the illness that would come from the world. It could be dedicated to God because the fire would burn off the impurity. And uh, you know that in the Word of God, vessels vessels are always a symbol or metaphor for us to see into the Spirit for what? For you. That's it. Anytime you read about vessels, just recognize you're reading about you. So listen, you are. Do you know what the Lord's spoils are? You. Okay, and so from this, we know, just put your seatbelt on, he, it is his good plan to pass you through the fire. It is only by the Holy Spirit, the person of the Godhead who is fire, that we become vessels set aside for use for the kingdom. Some, some scriptures actually use the word use. And you become what can hold the glory of God, uncontaminated. That's a good word. It's a scary word, though, too, isn't it? Does anybody like being burned? You love the idea of being passed through the fire? <laughs> he can be trusted with it, though, right? I'm going to show you. Okay. Um, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to go to, um, first Chronicles chapter 24 and we're starting right in verse one. I'm going to hit some things very quickly because we have a primary passage I'm getting to and I want time for that. <clears throat> okay. Here in verse one, now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron Okay, maybe I can't do it quickly. <laughs> um, in other words, what are the sons of Aaron? The priests. The priests, okay? Who else is a priest? You are priests. It's the priesthood of all believers. So there's another key that unlocks under, having understanding of spiritual things. Every time you're reading in the Word of God and you're reading about the priests or a priest, you're reading about yourself. You're seeing a physical picture of God's ways about you in the spirit. Okay? That's also true about kings and prophets because that's the anointing of Jesus, which is your anointing, right? So you can quit leaving them out there. Priests, oh, priests, oh, kings, prophets, <laughs> right? That's you. You have the anointing of Jesus and you're reading about yourself. Okay. Now, these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And Nadab and Abihu and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eleazar and Ithamar ministered as priests. Then David with Zadok of the sons of Eleazar and Ahimelech of the son of Ithamar divided them according to the schedule of their service. Now, what did we just read? I just want to tell you, this is one of those verses where when you're studying, when you're reading along, it's so easy to read on. But every time you notice something that um, just is odd, there, there's no such thing as an insignificant detail in the word of God. I just the older I get, the more convinced I am. And what did we just read? Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. In other words, they died, and so therefore they were unfruitful. Doesn't that make you go, if you stop and pay attention, you go, why? Or why is that detail? Why did you tell me that? Now watch this. Go to Numbers chapter 3. We're going to go down a quick road here. Numbers chapter 3, starting right in verse 1. Now, these are the records of Aaron and Moses when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, listen, there's a reference to the place of fire. And priests, right? The records of the priests, in other words. Okay, verse 2. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab the firstborn and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priests. 
whom he consecrated to minister as priest. Nadab and Abihu had died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And they had no children. So Eleazar and Ithamar ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron and their father. What we read? Now we got another bit of detail. We know why they died. They offered profane fire. And I want you to know, I'm going to tell you what that is in a minute, but I want you to notice um, that this is in the wilderness of Sinai. Just think about those words for a minute. The wilderness of Sinai. What's the wilderness? The place of testing, right? The preparation ground. It's the, it's the road to the promised land, the anointed place, the place of power and establishment, right? The wilderness. Even Jesus went through a fire, was tested in the wilderness. And this is the wilderness of Sinai. This is the wilderness of shaking, the wilderness of fire. I'm going to tell you, we're going to look at a very specific temptation if we don't understand the ways of God. We're going to look at a very specific temptation that comes with that. But here they offered profane fire. To explain the profane fire part, I want you to move on. Now we're hitting the primary passage, okay? Go to Leviticus 9 and verse 22. And now it gets so good, it's, it's more exciting than the Super Bowl. So we can stay all afternoon. <laughs> no, we'll be disciplined. <laughs> Leviticus 9, here we go. So much revelation. This is so much revelation. You literally could teach on the next 10 or so verses that I'm going to teach on for 10 hours. It's crazy. But we won't. Starting in verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings. I'm going to be very disciplined, so I won't tell you that... That's really significant. Go meditate on that priest, priest of the kingdom. There are offerings here that are specific for the office. Now listen, your office. Now listen, um, verse 23. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. So what they do? They offered the offerings, then they came out and blessed the people. Then... The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. I don't want you, when I was preparing, I was going to be really transparent. The, the Lord just whopped me when I was preparing and I, let, I read that line. It was like I had to recover for about 20 minutes. Did you hear those words? They did these things as the priests of the kingdom and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. It needs like a salah. It's not in there. Salah means pause. <laughs> You're reading something here. Okay. Appeared before all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. What's that mean? He accepted the offering. Okay. When in the Lord's ways, from when from a pure heart in his ways, he accepts the offering. And what's the result? When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. I bet they did. Now, here's the thing. I got to remind you of something. When we, <laughs> when we read these scriptures, we're reading the physical pictures of your spiritual reality as a priest. So, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. You see, when the genuine glory of the Lord appears, not a profane fire, we're getting there. When the genuine glory of the Lord hits a place, there is an unsolicited, appropriate response from the people of God. <laughs> it's not even like you have a choice. Anybody seen it? I've seen it. I've been privileged enough to be there. I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful, terrifyingly wonderful. Okay, now I'm all, we're still in the same passage, but I'm skipping to Leviticus 10. So just, just a little 
a little ways forward. Actually, is that a skip? I don't have my Bible open here. Or is that just, doesn't matter. Chapter 10, verse 1. Now here's the story. What is this Nadab and Abihu thing? What is this profane fire? It says, then Nadab and Abihu, now I got to tell you this. In other words, we just read what happens with the actual glory of the Lord. The actual fire of the Lord done in God's ways. And immediately next, we have this. I'll start again. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now listen here. Here's the thing. Here's the profane fire. It takes a bit of research to understand what's going on here. In the law, um, in the law of Moses, the Levitical law, they they were to they were to do exactly what Nadab and Abihu are doing here. This was something the priests were to do. Except in the law, it was commanded that they could only take coals from the altar. In other words, they could only take fire that the Lord had made. Now, we just read about that. The Lord did that. The Lord provided the fire. The people couldn't conjure it. You couldn't take flint, rub sticks together, (laughs) use oils. The Lord provided the fire. He is the fire. We can't whip up make a fake version of it, and that's exactly what they were doing. In other words, this is saying they used profane fire. They, they, instead of taking coals that were prepared, ready to go from the altar, they took their own coals, they provided the fire, and fire and the genuine fire of the Lord. Verse 2, so fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. This isn't the message this morning, so I'm going to keep it really quick. But um, you've all heard me talk about when I was getting my master's in Wheaton, it was a huge revival in the Chicago area at that time. And I'm going to tell you that more than 50, I did a whole research study over months and months. Um, it, isn't that a funny thing? I, I look back and I'm like, how profane was that? I was studying this thing. Like it was, but I was, I was hours and hours in churches. I was all ate up over it. I'd spend all day. I would go to five churches because they were having church service all days, all day, all night. It was like an unceasing church service all over the city. And churches that didn't have the fire of God on it, which I don't claim to understand what was going on there, they would fake it. Because churches, had, they, would, they were offering profane fire, let me tell you. And you would know it. The moment you walked in the door, if you had a sense of discernment going on, it was, I would walk in some places and like nauseated. Just like, whoa. And I would just turn around. I'm gone. <laughs> I don't even want to study this. Sometimes I would try to hang out because I was like, this is a study. You should understand this side of renewal or revival, right? Um, but because they realized they weren't even going to stay open. In an atmosphere of the Lord's fire like that, they weren't even going to stay open as a church if they weren't participating in the fire. So they would whip it up. They would fake it, okay? I'm just telling you, it goes on today. It's a physical picture of a spiritual reality, what we do. And um, so I'm going to read on, okay? And here's what I've got to say, the profane profane fire. What were Nadab and Abihu doing? They were doing their religious duty, right? Without regard for the genuine presence of the Lord, isn't it? They were going to go through the motions of the right thing to do, uh, even according to the prescription of of the law, really, with one exception only, one small exception. We can get this done. (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what that was for? That was the, the action they were doing was so that there would be a smoke, so that, so that the Holy of Holies, so they wouldn't see clearly to the Holy of Holies. There had to be a smoke when the doors were open and you could, you could see into the curtain um, that, that burning the incense, in other words, a sweet fragrance to the Lord, provided a smoke screen to protect them from the glory that was there. They were just going through the motions, right? In other words, um, their great sin was falling into religious duty. 
going through the motions without reverence over the fact that they were their job was to play with fire. Not just do things. But we're, we're the people of the actual presence of God. We play with fire. Now, here's where it gets good. This is the real message. Is this good so far? Is this too intense? Do we need to tell a joke or something? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, verse 3. Here's where it gets crazy. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. Who are, what is that referring to? Those who come near me. The priests. Okay? So it's talking about you. Those who come near me. For, for you, he must be regarded as holy. And, and before all the people, I must be glorified. So in other words, what? As a priest, do you have a public role in front of people? Yeah. I'm an introvert, and I know I do. I wish I didn't. If they had a hole for me to crawl in up here, I would. Um, I practically crawl out of here most Sundays because all my extroverting is gone. <laughs> Do you have, so what's that saying? And before all the people, I must be glorified. Now listen what comes next. So Aaron held his peace. That's so encoded, it's crazy. You got to study, study, study to see this. What is that? In other words, remember that Aaron, it mentions his four sons. Two just got struck by the Lord's fire. It's Aaron's job as a priest to be the one who ministers to the Lord by, by carrying the fire. The same fire that he's to minister to just struck two of his sons. And so what do Moses' words mean? How peculiar. Moses says, I must be regarded as holy. Before all the people, I'll be glorified. And then it says, so Aaron held his peace. And I'm going to prove it in a minute, but I'm going to tell you something. Moses' instructions to Aaron here are, are this. Don't grieve. Think about that. I'm going to prove it. That's, he held his peace. Do you know in their time, um, let, let me just do this part now. In their time, mourning was this thing where they were, they were the louder you wailed, the louder you mourned, the more you showed respect for the dead. And these were two priests. Aaron's sons should have gotten great respect. There should have been wailing and, and crying and mourning. In fact, they would hire professional mourners, professional loudmouths, <laughs> who could make the respect really loud to the dead. Okay, so here where it says, so Aaron held his peace, that's telling us he's following Moses' instruction not to mourn. Does that make you stop and go, are you kidding me? Now watch this. And what is that? Let's just go ahead and do this. Let's don't beat around the bush. The Lord is a consuming fire. And if we are praying, if you've joined me in the Lord's move and you are praying for a greater anointing, upon the church at large so his bride is prepared, then we should be expecting fire. The Holy Spirit is the, is the person of fire. There are always casualties in the fire of the Lord. You won't read any passage, I promise you. There are always casualties in the fire of the Lord. And what is Moses' instruction to Aaron? In other words, the instructions to a priest are don't mourn the effects of the Lord's fire. Church, this is a message of understanding God's ways. He, they, in other words, they had to continue. Why, why do they not mourn the effects of God's fire? It's what they're asking for. <laughs> we want God's fire. And so therefore, it is wholly inappropriate to mourn the devastating aspects when God's fire starts to move. Do you see that? Now, right now, I'm keeping it about people out there. I'm going to tell you something. When the fire of God begins to move in a church, and I mean the church at large or this, this church or, or the church, you know, your family is a body of Christ, just your immediate family, 
Um, when the fire of God starts to sweep through a place and, and, um, and things start to happen, um, there, <laughs> I see your faces. There are casualties, but here's the thing. It is what you pray for. There has to be a trust in God's goodness, and we're going to see that as we go on. There has to be a trust that we want the fire of God. We don't mourn the fire of God. We're priests. We play with fire. We're, we've been invited to the privilege of playing with fire with God. 50% of Aaron's sons were killed in the fire because the presence of God was so glorious and powerful there. When we're praying, Lord, increase the anointing, Lord, bring your fire, we have to know what we're praying for and the instruction here, and I'm going to prove it in a minute. If you're kind of going, is that really what that's saying? Trust me, I'm going to read on in just a second. But before we go on, just understand what we're reading in the Word of God here is that we don't mourn the affects of the person of the Holy Spirit beginning to sweep through a place. Because we want the presence of God in great, greater measure. We are the people of anointing. We are priests of the living God. You guys are quiet. <laughs> tough crowd, tough crowd. Uh, um, no, I'm just kidding. Verse 4. <laughs> Say what? It's, it's intense stuff. It is very intense stuff. Verse 4, okay, and we didn't get to the personal part yet. <laughs> we'll do that with the Lord's Supper. Verse 4, Then Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. In other words, everyone's following Moses' instructions. He's assigned some people to carry out the dead, those that didn't survive the fire, those that didn't have the reverence to handle fire properly. Okay? That's all that is. Verse 6, and Moses said to Aaron, here's more instructions for Aaron, and to the other two sons that survived, okay, and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes. You know what those two things are? The, yeah, they're the actions of mourning. So now you're getting it explicitly. He's saying, do not mourn the impacts of the Lord's fire. This is what we do for a living. Say, this is what I do for a living. Ooh, you're less boisterous than when I had you saying things at the beginning. <laughs> All right, I won't press it. Um, do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die. That's intense. Talk about intense. That's intense. In other words, mourning, mourning... The actions of the Lord in fire, when he begins to take out impurities, when he begins to burn out so we're becoming more fitted vessels for a weight of glory, mourning that positions you in the wrong place, lest you die. That's intense. <laughs> and wrath come upon all the people. Do you know that when the priests of God, you, um, when we are not right with God, we actually bring wrath on all the people. That's just biblical throughout. Okay, we, we always completely underestimate the weight, the weight, the significance of the way that we honor God. The way that we live is far more sweepingly impacting than we normally give it credit. Little old me? Well, not little old you. You're a priest, of the one God, the living God. You have that privilege. Lest you die and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, now listen, the whole house of Israel bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. Before I forget, can I give you a side note? If you're fascinated by what's being taught this morning, Go read the story of Ananias and Sapphira 
And I want you just just notice that it is literally an identical parallel to this story. It's also good to bring that up because it's very easy. What I see so commonly, um, even among teachers a lot of times, is we like to separate out the New Testament and the Old Testament as if God has changed. And there's an exact identical parallel of this story in the New Testament. They bring a profane offering. (laughs) And I'll just leave it at that. You already got it. You all know that story. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting lest you die. For, listen, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. The anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. You remember um, several weeks back the the message of the cup. One of the things I did was I said, um, y'all want greater anointing upon you? And there was an enthusiastic, of course we do. Yes, and it's the right answer. And then I began to move into, are you sure? Because there, there's a cup. <laughs> there's a cup that comes with that anointing that we yearn for, we pray for, to represent the Father's heart like that in that kind of power and authority. There, there's a price. There's a cup that comes with it. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. There's a raised bar of responsibility. Amen? Amen. You see, there's a temptation to... When the heart of the Father comes into us, um, we love people, don't we? (laughs) And um, we're lovers, because we've been made the sons of God. We've, we've been transformed from haters, whether you knew it or not, <laughs> lover of self and I hate you. We've been transformed from that into, into people of sacrifice and I love you. With a genuineness from the Lord, we become those people. So when the, when the Lord's fire, why did Moses have to command Aaron these things? He loved his sons. You see, it has, it, it's very, very difficult. There's a, there's a temptation when the Lord's fire begins to move, whether it's in your family, it's in your, it's in your church, it's in our community. When the Lord's fire begins to move and burn out impurity and the profane things, and there are casualties along the way, there's a great temptation to mourn the effects of a holy God, the effects of a fire that is preparing a bride. For what's coming. There's a temptation to be distracted. And what did we read? In the wilderness of Sinai. The hard places where the fire is. Increasing presence always does two things. It probably, actually, um, that's probably not an accurate statement, but... Just so we're not here all day, there are, let's do it like this. There are two things the Lord presence always does. It draws some. Do you know who it draws? The hungry. Those who have decided, go ahead and torch me. <laughs> I've decided the only thing that's worth it is you. And so no matter how hot the fire gets, there are those that are drawn. And then there are those who are not in that place. There are those who prefer a form of religion, who want to do the motions, the motions of Nadab and Abihu, and they're not drawn. You can read about it. Um, I was going to read about I'm just going to tell you about it um, because I have to. Maybe we'll do it another day, but... You know, there's a, you know the end of the story of Ananias and Sapphira? What happens is, um, first of all, that's a terrible plan for church growth, right? <laughs> You'd think. But do you know that just next it says that their numbers grew? After they got through the wake of that little deal, <laughs> their numbers grew exponentially. But you know, it's crazy. It mentions three things. It mentions three categories of people, I'm pretty sure, in one sentence. Their numbers grew. Secondly, um, there were those who had great, I think it says great reverence 
for the leaders of the church there, but they dared not join. That's what the words say. In other words, they knew, they were like, they knew that the fire of God was there. They had a great reverence, but they were not people that, that dared join into it in the public square or anything. And there were those who scattered. It, mentioned, it mentions the three. This is the fire of God. Um, okay, we're going to move on to the Lord's Supper here. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I haven't really gotten personal. So far, I've talked about this as a subject of when the Lord's fire begins to move through a place, through a people, whatever it is, a city, like I've said, a city, a family, your family, a church, Whatever that place is, when the Lord's fire begins to move, there's casualties. Because why? Because fire burns things out, okay? In order to understand all this that we're teaching about, um, you have to understand that when, when you read the narrative of the people Israel, you're reading about um, God always dealt with Israel as one man. Are you tracking with me? In other words, when 50% of Aaron's sons died, you're, you're looking at a body there um, being dealt with as one man. 50% was burned out, and 50% that was pure continued to move on and get assigned the services of the fire of the Lord, the ministry of the Lord. You got it? So, in other words, another insight to Bible study is when you read of the, um, the narrative of Israel... You can think of it as a physical picture of, of you as an individual. <sighs> yeah, you thought it was intense before. In other words, he is preparing you. Forget about the corporate for a minute. That's so important. God moves in the corporate, but he is preparing you to be a vessel that can have an unimaginable weight of his glory that can that can host the fire fearlessly because you've gone through the pain of what the fire burns out you see we are receiving what we read we are receiving an unshakable kingdom thank you god we're we're becoming a people that are the people of fire we play with fire fearlessly because what is unshakable and what doesn't belong here he has such he is so crazy about you he has such a good plan for you that he has incredible pain planned for you <laughs> we might as well tell the truth because he's making you into a vessel that can hold that weight of glory now we have to make it personal oh we grieve when we see um um, our own kids, our, our relatives, our relatives of the family of God that, that are not withstanding the heat when the fire begins to blow through a place. Is that painful? Oh my goodness, yes, because we're lovers. We love them. That's weighty. And we pray for them. And we know that they haven't slipped out of God's hands. But even more painful than that is when we begin to make this truth of God's word, the truth of God's ways, we begin to make it personal but now we're starting to talk about how the fire of God acts on us and um, sometimes in the desert uh, you know the fire of God would leap out from the tabernacle and they would lose one third of the population I'm pretty sure there's still more than a third of me that needs to go for the weight of glory I'm praying for <laughs> I'm never going to be satisfied. The Word of God says that we'll not be perfected until we see Him as He is. Do you know why that is? You all know that scripture? Do you know what that means? Why would we be perfected when we see Him as He is? Because He's a consuming fire. We just read it. He is the fire. When we see Him as He is, it's going to pierce so deeply, we're going to be purified. In an instant, we shall be like him when we see he, him as he is. Now listen, what's that mean for us today? 
This is what it means for us today. The more we see him as he is, measure by measure, we see the fire of the Lord. It's a fire that, that you cannot do that and not have it touch and not be a vessel that is passing through the fire that you see. So, guys, are you going through things right now? <laughs> do you have wilderness spots? You've got challenges going on? I want to tell you something. It's, it's, um, it is what the Lord is doing right now. He's preparing us for a weight of anointing. And I say us. He's preparing you. He's, also, he's just crazy about you as an individual. And he's preparing and as the fire of God comes, as we see him measure by measure, more clearly as he is, not the idea we'd like to think of him as, but in his holiness, as he is, and as we cry out for greater anointing upon, that fire is going to touch. <clears throat> and you cannot remain unchanged in the fire of God. You will either flee, be struck dead from it, or you will be one who leans into the pain, into the trial, the challenge, the loss, the pain, and the Word of God. Apparently, I wasn't finished preaching yet. <laughs> and the Word of God tells us very clearly, as we read today, that we are not to mourn the fire of God, not even the devastating parts. And now I'm just talking about you. I'm not talking about what's going on around you. It's, it's so tempting, even just on a personal level. It's very, very tempting. You know, we grow a fondness to the, to the profane, to the impurities of this world. And when the Lord begins to burn it out, it is very, very tempting to mourn what the Lord painfully sometimes needs to burn out of us to make us the vessel of anointing that can hold that kind of weight of glory, the kind of weight we're going to need the way the world's changing. Amen. Amen. I was supposed to, okay, um, for those ministers that um, are going to distribute the Lord's Supper, please come on up. Brian, you're one of those. Sorry, I don't think you knew that. Um, that's a, you've been appointed. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to tell you. Let me just pray over this. Father, we ask a blessing on this supper that we're about to have with you. We, uh, we believe that your actual presence is in what we do right now. And that's why you asked us to do it. That we believe, Holy Spirit, that you are about to do things with us as we partake in your body and your blood. And we just ask that blessing on this meal in the name of Jesus. Okay, thank you guys. Go for it. Let's make sure we don't forget the overflow this morning. Now, here's the thing. I just have one more thing to say. Hold on to that when you get it because um, I want to lead you into something that is very powerfully on my heart, okay? But I just have to say this one thing. This morning's been so intense, and I, you know, unapologetically, I'm just going to say I believe this was the word for us right now. This is what we have to understand this. Um, when, the, when the fire of God moves, we can either understand it and, and, and lean into where he's taking us, or we can have a complete lack of understanding and just be miserable all the way. <laughs> he is good. Now, let me tell you something. He's so good, he made the holy place like this, the holy of holies. You know, that was the place of fire. That was the presence of God where the, when it says the fire of God came out, that's where it came out from. You are the holy of holies now. And it was designed like this, smack center in the middle of the place of fire in the holy of holies was the mercy seat. I was amazed we sang about it this morning. It was the only way he could do it, to invite people into the fire of God. There had to be the mercy seat right in the middle where they poured out the blood of the lamb so that who could enter? 
only the priest. Thank you. Only the priest could enter. That's you. You can enter. You're welcomed in. The Spirit of God is poured out on all flesh, but there's only one reason. Because smack in the middle of this holy place is the mercy seat where they would pour the blood of Jesus so that you can enter and not die in the fire of God. You can become those who play in the fire of God for the mercy seat. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, here's what I believe the Lord gave me two questions for you this morning. So if you will, just in preparation to receive the Lord's Supper this morning, um, I want to do this. Just if you're comfortable with it, just relax. Relax yourself from, from head. Let relaxation go from your head all the way to your feet. This was intense, but Jesus is gentle. His mercy is as big as his holiness. (laughs) You're included. Take a deep breath and just as you do, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. He promises to be with us. Lord, give us a great awareness of your presence right now. Okay, now just do this thing. Stay right there. Just do this thing. Invite the Lord to bring to your mind one place of fire that is sweeping in your life right now. It might be a trial, a challenge. It might be an unknown. You know, I have to put this out there. I sense this. There are some in here where your fire Your fire is that the Lord is asking you to rest. And that's really painful for you. You're looking to do things. You're looking to get started. You're impatient about it. I sense impatience. And um, for, for one, for some, there's somebody in here. Your fire is that you're refusing to be at peace and just rest in a season where the Lord's saying, just cease. Don't struggle with him. Whatever he gives you, trust. Trust whatever he gives you. You've got that fire. You've got that trial. Things are getting destroyed. Things are burning. Okay, now as you hold that thing, stay right there. We just have one more question. You see, there's different things we can do here. We're going to ask the Lord a question. We can battle against it, and we can cry out and pray, Lord, take, take this trial away. Take away this challenge. Make this like I like it. Or we can ask this question. Lord, how are you in this? Give me an insight how you are in this pain. What are you burning? How are you in this?
Okay, now before we partake, let me just pray over this. Thank you, Jesus, for the mercy seat, for the blood that that has been poured out so we, we can enter your glory, enter your fire. In the authority of your name, Jesus, I want to seal the work that you just personally did with people in this place and people watching, people listening. We seal the work in the authority of your name. We declare it, what you just accomplished, it cannot be touched by darkness or the enemy in any way. Preserve Jesus the seed planted. We ask you to grow what you've just planted. Make us a people who follow you even through the hard because we are hungry for a greater measure of your presence. We, Lord, are not going to fake your fire. We have no interest in it. But we're not satisfied with our current measure. We are asking, we are stretching ourselves out to be the people of your glory. Increase your weight upon us, Lord. Until it's so obvious and people, until people look. Lord, we're asking to become the people where people look and they say they are obviously the people of God because you can see the weight of glory on those people. They wield the authority and the power of that kingdom. They are obviously the priests of God when they go out in this community. And we ask you, Lord, to help us through this. We, we lean on your mercy as we go through this burning fire that is, has that is taken out the impurity. Help us walk through this, Lord. Okay, church, now you just take a minute. Whenever you're ready, I'm going to give you a few minutes to partake. His body was broken for you to make you whole. And his blood was poured out so that you would be clean, so that you would stand before the throne with perfection, the only way you can enter the presence of God. And so after a message like this, church, I just have one final word. Um, we are a people of extravagant joy. <laughs> In fact, we're, we're the, um, we are the people that have the, the only actual joy. The world tries to pervert happiness into something that the scripture talks about 
talks about joy, but it, it's not. It's just, it's just a fleeting happiness for a moment. The joy of the Lord. You see, what this message is about, and I just have to leave you with this note as we depart this place, um, when a message is so heavy. We have to talk about hard things like Paul did in his letters. All of his letters, I think, he eventually addresses hard things. Families that don't address hard things and we are the family of God, families who do that end up with ingrown, really poisonous problems because they never stop and talk about the hard things. So we have to do that. But here's the thing. I hope that this morning leaves you also incredibly inspired because this is a message of promise. Amen? The, the Lord is good. The only reason he would invite you into the fire is because he, he is so extravagantly in love with you and he is good. In other words, it's wrought with promise. <laughs> he promises to finish the work he begins in you. You are going to be a place of uncontainable weight of glory of the Lord. Period. In fact, he promises that someday you're going to be perfect as a vessel <laughs> of the presence of God. And in the meantime, we're growing into it. And it is an unshakable promise. One thing we said is, you know what? Let's just do this together. What, what did I have you say before? That's, that is the most important part of this morning's message. It's the first scripture, isn't it? Or receiving a kingdom. So let's just do this. Um, to depart, let's say something together just again. Um, I am receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. That's a promise. <laughs> so leave with joy, okay? That's a promise. You are a child of God, and nobody can take that from you. And this fire that burns is just bringing you into the receiving of a kingdom. Leave with joy. Amen. <laughs>